The Lord declared that it is His work and His glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. He has established His Church to help in this great work. Accordingly, the Church's mission is to invite all to come unto Christ and be perfected in Him. I would like to discuss, at least in part, what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints asks people to do when it invites them to come unto Christ. It should be understood this invitation is not a request to participate in a single event, but to participate in a process. This process leads individuals to eternal life, which is the greatest of all the gifts of God, for there is no gift greater than the gift of salvation. How do we begin this most exciting and important process? The Book of Mormon records the events that occurred when Christ, following His resurrection, visited the people of Nephi in the land bountiful. So important was this event that his father introduced him, saying, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, in whom I have glorified my name, hear ye him. From this introduction we learn the first required action, hear ye him. If we are to come unto Christ, we must first listen to him. We must learn who he is. Following his father's introduction, he told the people, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified should come into the world. And behold, I am the light and life of the world, and I have drunk out of that bitter cup which the Father hath given me, and have glorified the Father in taking upon me the sins of the world, in the which I have suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning. He then invited them to come forth one by one and see with their eyes and feel with their hands. These people experienced personal knowledge of who he was. However, Jesus reminded them that coming to him through faith is even more acceptable. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe in your words because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me, and that ye know that I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe in your words. We are fortunate to have the scriptures which contain the words of ancient apostles and prophets, and to have the privilege of listening to modern-day apostles and prophets testify of Christ. What were the next words Jesus gave to the people in Bountiful? Think of all he could have said. He is the creator of this earth and countless others. He had just wrought the infinite atonement. He had just broken the bonds of death. He had just visited with his Father in heaven. He could have discussed many, many wonderful and important subjects, but he chose to teach his doctrine, which is, And again I say unto you, ye must repent and be baptized in my name and become as a little child, or ye can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine, and whoso buildeth upon this buildeth upon my rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Not only did the Lord teach the need for baptism, but he called special disciples and gave them power to baptize. He also taught them the correct manner of baptism. Clearly it is vital on the journey to eternal life to exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and be baptized in the proper manner by those holding the proper authority and using the proper prayer. After this kind of baptism, we can be visited with fire and with the Holy Ghost and receive a remission of sins. However, in order to progress, we must yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. As we come unto Christ, we must surrender our worldly ways, our pride, our selfishness. As we yield to the promptings of the Holy Ghost, we should experience a mighty change in our hearts and become willing to submit to or accept all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us. Life is often difficult. 
There are trials, disappointments, challenges, sickness, unemployment, etc., even for the saints. These must be borne with submissive patience, for often these trials are evidence of the Lord's hand preparing us to be worthy of living with Him. To yield to Christ means to put Him and His teachings first. The total submission of our will to His is one of the most difficult obstacles we face on our journey toward eternal life. The rewards of this submission are beautifully described by President Ezra Taft Benson. Men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that He can make a lot more of them of their lives than they can. He will deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, strengthen their muscles, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, raise up friends, and pour out peace." Self-control and self-discipline are important virtues that need to be developed in the process of coming unto Christ. In my teenage years, when I was going out to an activity, my parents would say, Son, remember who you are. Is this phrase familiar to you? This short statement effectively reminded me of the trust my parents had in me, of the expectations of loving grandparents, concerned uncles, aunts, and priesthood leaders. It reminded me of my responsibility to be a good example to younger brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father provides us with a similar request. He asks us to always remember Him and to stand as witnesses of Him at all times and in all things and in all places that we may be in. These reminders provide a simple but effective decision-making tool that can help us develop needed self-control and self-discipline. Any thought, activity, or action that is compatible with the name, the life, or teachings of Jesus Christ is acceptable. Any behavior that is not compatible with His name, His life, or His teachings is not acceptable and should be avoided. The process of becoming perfected requires that we receive special instruction, make sacred covenants, and receive the highest ordinances of the priesthood. These blessings are available only in the temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Individuals who come unto Christ must come to His temple. It is my prayer that each of us examine our lives and evaluate where we are in the process of coming unto Christ and being perfected in Him. A Book of Mormon promised, If we come unto Him and offer our whole soul as an offering unto Him, and continue in fasting and prayer, and endure to the end, we will be saved. If you have not yet accepted the invitation to come unto Him, please do so now. Missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are prepared and eager to teach you the doctrine of Christ. They hold the proper authority, baptize in the proper manner, and use the proper prayer. If you previously began the process of coming unto Christ but lost your way or took a detour, do not despair. Begin again. Come back. Come back now. Come unto Christ and enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, namely love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and begin to walk in the Spirit and to lay hold upon every good gift. I testify that He lives, that He is the light and life of the world, that He is our Savior and our Redeemer, and I do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm honored to speak to you, sisters of the Relief Society. Each one of you is a part of the largest and oldest women's organization in the world and the only one organized by a prophet of God. I bring you greetings from the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We and your local priesthood leaders value you, sisters, and hold you in high esteem. We recognize and appreciate all you do to help build the Kingdom of God. 
We marvel at your faith and your dedicated service to your families, the Church, and your communities. We pray for you and extend our love to each one of you. My brethren and I serve as priesthood advisors to the General Relief Society Presidency and Board. The task of Relief Society is more challenging than ever because of diversity of languages, cultures, environments, and the ever-changing circumstances throughout the world. Careful planning has to be both broad and narrow, broad enough to meet the varying needs of more than three million women living in more than 130 different countries and locations, and yet narrow enough to meet the needs of each sister. Relief Society and the Gospel should embrace every woman. Every one of you is welcome and needed, whether you're 18 or 80, married or single, speak English or Portuguese, live on an island or in the mountains, have children or simply love children but have none of your own, have an advanced degree or little formal education, have a husband who's not active or married to a stake president, have a testimony or are struggling to receive one. You belong here. You and your talents, strengths, and contributions are needed urgently in the Church. As Eliza R. Snow, the second general president of the Relief Society, said, There is no sister so isolated and her sphere so narrow, but what she can do a great deal towards establishing the kingdom of God on earth. I pray for the Spirit of the Lord this evening as I teach a fundamental principle of the gospel that, if understood, will fortify and bless you, sisters, in your quest for eternal life. Our Father in Heaven loves all of His children equally, perfectly, and infinitely. His love is no different for His daughters than for His sons. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, also loves men and women equally. His Atonement and His Gospel are for all of God's children. During His earthly ministry, Jesus served men and women alike. He healed both men and women, and He taught both men and women. The Gospel of Jesus Christ can sanctify both men and women in the same way by identical principles. For example, faith, repentance, baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, are requirements for all of God's children, regardless of gender. The same is true of the temple covenants and blessings. Our Father's work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of His children. He loves us all equally, and His greatest gift, the gift of eternal life, is available to all. Even though men and women are equal before God in their eternal opportunities, they have different but equally significant duties in His eternal plan. We must understand that God's views of all of His children view all of His children with infinite wisdom and perfect fairness. Consequently, he can acknowledge and even encourage our differences while providing equal opportunity for growth and development. Our Heavenly Father assigned different responsibilities in mortality to men and women when we lived with Him as His Spirit, sons and daughters. To His sons, He would give the priesthood and the responsibility of fatherhood, and to His daughters, he gave the responsibility of motherhood, each with their attendant functions. The creation of the world, the Atonement of Jesus Christ, and the restoration of the gospel in the latter days through the Prophet Joseph Smith all have one unifying purpose—to allow all of the spirit children of our Eternal Father to obtain mortal bodies and then through the gift of moral agency to follow the plan of redemption made possible by the Savior's Atonement. God prepared all of this for us that we might return to our heavenly home clothed in immortality and eternal life.
to live with him as families. A family can live with him only after a man and woman are sealed in marriage for eternity by the power of the holy priesthood. We acknowledge that many in the Church desire this great blessing, but see little evidence of its fulfillment in this life. Nevertheless, the promise of exaltation remains an attainable goal for each one of us. The prophets have stated clearly that no blessing will be withheld from any of God's sons and daughters if they love Him, have faith in Him, keep His commandments, and endure to the end. Most of what men and women must do to qualify for an exalted family life together is based on shared responsibilities and objectives. Many of the requirements are exactly the same for men and women. For example, obedience to the laws of God should be the same for men and women. Men and women should pray in the same way. They both have the same privilege of receiving answers to their prayers and thereby obtaining personal revelation for their own spiritual development. Both men and women are to serve their families and others but the specific ways in which they do so are sometimes different. For example, God has revealed through His prophets that men are to receive the priesthood, become fathers, and with gentleness and pure unfeigned love they are to lead and nurture their families in righteousness as the Savior leads the Church. They have the primary responsibility for the temporal and physical needs of the family. Women have the power to bring children into the world and have been given the, the primary duty and opportunity as mothers to lead, nurture, and teach them in a loving spiritual environment. In this divine partnership, husbands and wives support one another in their God-given capacities. By appointing different accountabilities to men and women, Heavenly Father provides the greatest opportunity for growth, service, and progress. He did not give different tasks to men and women simply to perpetuate the idea of a family. Rather, He did so to ensure that the family can continue forever, the ultimate goal of our Heavenly Father's eternal plan. We need to recognize the hard mortal realities in all of this and must use common sense and guidance by personal revelation. Some will not marry in this life. Some marriages will fail. Some will not have children. Some children will choose not to respond to even the most devoted and careful nurturing by loving parents. In some cases, health and faith may falter. Some who would rather remain home may have to go to work. Let us not judge others because we do not know their situation, nor do we know what common sense and personal revelation have led them to do. We do, not, we do know that throughout mortality women and men will face challenges and tests of their commitment to God's plan for them. We need to remember that trials and temptations are an important part of our lives. We should not criticize others for the way they choose to exercise their moral agency when faced with adversity and affliction. In these latter days, we see people increasing in number who urge others to feel and voice dissent when frustration and hardship enter their lives. They would have us believe that the Church or its leaders are unfair to women, or that women are denied opportunities to realize their full potential within the gospel framework. We know that the Church is made up of mortals, sisters, that priesthood leaders are fallible, and some may not always handle their stewardship with suitable sensitivity. However, I want you to understand this plain truth. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ provides the only way for women or men to achieve their full potential as children of God. Only the gospel can free us from the terrible effects of sin. Only by following God's plan for us with faith and determination to live ultimately in eternal families can we qualify for eternal life in His presence. Ideally, the Church and the family do not inhibit our progress. They expedite it by putting our feet firmly on the gospel path that leads us back to God. We each have the privilege to carefully and prayerfully seek the Lord's will for us regarding our individual challenges and dilemmas. Personal revelation is personal indeed. It is not based on gender or position, but on worthiness. It comes in response to sincere inquiry. However, revelation for the Church comes only through the Lord's prophets, seers, and revelators. In these confusing times, keeping our feet on the gospel path can be difficult. We hear many persuasive voices urging us to turn our backs on revealed truth and embrace the philosophies of the world. I offer three simple suggestions that will help us all to keep our eternal perspective clear and unimpaired. First, focus on fundamentals. With so much depth and substance in the simple truths of the gospel, you you never need to wade in the shallow waters of speculative theology. Teach one another in Relief Society and in your visiting teaching the pure doctrines found in the scriptures and in the approved curriculum. The Holy Ghost will guide and affirm your teachings. Teach your children faith, repentance, baptism, and the other basic principles of the restored gospel. Make your covenants with God and receive all the priesthood ordinances. Study and ponder the scriptures, especially the Book of Mormon, individually and as families. In a world filled with conflict and confusion, you will find peace and safety in the revealed Word of God. Second, maintain balance. Free and open doctrinal discussion is important in gospel scholarship. But remember that most things have been put into place by God and simply are not subject to change. The doctrines and principles of the Church are established only through revelation, not legislation. This is God's plan. We do not have the prerogative to alter or tamper with it. Our task is to integrate the principles of the gospel into our lives so that our lives will be in balance. When our lives are in balance, before you realize it, your life will be full of spiritual understanding that will confirm that your Heavenly Father loves you and that His plan is fair and true and we should strive to understand it and enjoy living it. Third, reach out to one another in love, for charity never faileth. Many of your sisters, including some who are here tonight, may be hurting for one reason or another. Reach out to those who suffer. Listen to their concerns. Be worthy of their trust and always keep their confidences. Share their burdens. Teach them both by precept and by example about Heavenly Father's plan for His children. Help them understand our Father's unalterable commitment to the principle of moral agency. Teach them about the essential part adversity plays in our eternal lives. Take them by the hand and help them to repent, forgive, have faith, endure, or whatever is needed. Never forget that the Lord may work a miracle in their lives through you. Sisters, you belong to Relief Society. It is organized under priesthood direction in every ward and branch. The members of your local Relief Society presidency are wise, inspired women 
who have been called by revelation and set apart by those holding the authority to administer the ordinances of the gospel. I have served twice as a bishop, and I want you to know that you're, you are part of an organization that is vital to your ward and that your individual contributions are of great value to the work of the Lord. May God bless you, my dear sisters, in your personal lives, in your homes and families, and in your church callings. May he bless you for your faithful service. May you feel the comforting assurance that your Heavenly Father loves each one of you, his daughters, and that the way he marks for you is the way to perfect fairness and freedom in this life and in eternity. To this I testify and humbly pray for the blessings to be with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My beloved brethren and sisters, we've had two wonderful days. The Spirit of the Lord's been with us. We've listened to inspired addresses, beautiful prayers, and uplifting music. These general conferences each six months are occasions to grow in faith and in love for the Lord and His eternal work. I'm confident that each of us has had stirred within himself or herself a resolution to live a little better, to be a little kinder, to serve with less selfishness, to be more worthy of the wonderful blessings the Lord has generously poured out upon us. It has been customary for the President of the Church to leave a message for us to ponder at the close of each conference. We all regret how much we regret that President Benson has been unable to speak to us or attend any of the sessions. However, he has seen and heard all of the meeting sessions and would have me convey his love and a prophet's blessing. He also would have me repeat his testimony of our divine Redeemer, who stands as the head of this Church which bears his name. I quote now from President Benson's words. As witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, we proclaim that he truly is the Savior of all, and indeed the Son of God, the Redeemer, the promised Messiah. No message is more significant than the one he brought. No event is of greater importance than his atoning sacrifice and subsequent resurrection. And no mortal tongue can express sufficient thanks for all that Jesus has done for us. We need to know that Christ invites us to come unto him. Behold, he sendeth an invitation unto all men. For the arms of mercy are extended towards them. Yea, he saith, Come unto me, and ye shall partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Come, for he stands with open arms to receive you. Come, for he will console you in your afflictions, and he will plead your cause. Come unto him and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him. Continuing, as Moroni closed the record of the Jaredite civilization, he wrote, I would commend you to seek this Jesus of whom the prophets and apostles have written. The question is sometimes asked, are Mormons Christians? We declare, says President Benson, the divinity of Jesus Christ. We look to him as the only source of our salvation. We strive to live his teachings, and we look forward to the time that he shall come again on this earth to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. 
In the words of a Book of Mormon prophet, we say to men today, there is no other name given nor any other way, nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. Close quote. I urge you to accept and ponder that testimony from him whom we sustain as prophet, seer, and revelator. President Benson, we know that you can see us, all of us partaking in this conference, many, many thousands in the aggregate, express our love for you and invoke the blessings of the Lord upon you. We sustain you as our prophet. We embrace you as our leader. We thank you for the mighty work you have done in leading this people in truth and righteousness. May God bless you, our beloved friend, our prophet, and our president. And now, brothers and sisters, there are two or three minutes left. and. I'd just like to express in behalf of my brethren my very deep appreciation to the members of the Church everywhere for your great kindness to us, for your sustaining vote concerning our responsibilities, the adversaries abroad in the earth. He would seek to destroy this work. But if we are united, you and I and all of us, his efforts will be to no avail. The work of the Lord will go on and grow in majesty and power and strength across the world. We've seen today and during these past few days the majesty and the wonder and the power of this, the work of God. As we heard Sister Okazaki speak to us this afternoon, we were touched by the power of the Spirit to reach into the heart of a little girl in Hawaii, a girl of non-Christian upbringing. Touch that heart until she came to believe and believing came to know. We, as we have listened to the testimony of Brother Kwok Yun Dai, we have again sensed the miracle and the wonder of this work. This little Chinese boy in Hong Kong who came to a meeting at the invitation of a friend and whose heart was touched over a period of time I remember those days when he was a boy in Hong Kong, when he joined the church. I next saw him in Sydney, Australia, where he was getting a doctorate in chemistry. Then he was in London working for a great chemical organization and then handling the work of that organization in Taiwan and Hong Kong. The Lord has led him and guided him. He since served as he's indicated as a mission president and now as a general authority of the Church. Those miracles, and miracles they are, are occurring all across this world. This is a work of miracles, and the power of the Spirit is resting upon the heads of men and women and boys and girls all across the globe. Someone has said, the Holy Ghost can teach us things we cannot teach one another. How true that is, how wonderfully true that is. Said the prophet Jeremiah, and I will gather them, one of a city and two of a family, and lead them to Zion and teach them with pastors after mine own heart. That is the miracle that is taking place. 
beloved friends, associates, we wish for each of you a safe return to your homes. We invoke the blessings of heaven upon you that there may be peace and love in your homes and in your hearts. God bless you. Please accept our love. We pray for you. We want you to know that. We know that you pray for us, and we thank you. God bless you. Accept of our testimony, which is the same testimony that each of you can bear, that God, our eternal Father, lives. Our Father, the ruler and the governor of the universe, to whom we may look and with whom we may speak in prayer. Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten of the Father in the flesh, the Son of the living God who gave his life to atone for the sins of all mankind. Those two visited the earth to usher in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times, and conferred upon him who became prophet the great and grand keys which are the bedrock of this work. Such is our faith, such is our witness, such is our testimony. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. President Hinckley and President Monson, Tabernacle Choir, thank you for that inspiring session this morning. I only hope that that spirit of that session will hover over us as we conclude this afternoon. In the Doctrine and Covenants we read, that they themselves may be prepared, that my people may be taught more perfectly, and have experience and know more perfectly concerning their duty and the things which I require at their hands. How grateful we are for the scriptures which contain the Lord's instructions to His children. They help us better understand the course. He is designed as a sure guide to lead us through this period of our mortal probation. Until recently, Part of my assignment has included the country of Peru, an area of the world that is experiencing great turmoil. Inflation and internal strife have been robbing from the Peruvian people almost any hope of stability in their lives. It has been difficult for my brethren and me to visit Peru regularly because of the dangers of traveling there. It has been necessary for the Peruvian members to assume much more responsibility for priesthood and auxiliary leadership and for the full-time missionary service. The area presidency, recognizing a need to fortify the members of the Church in this country, and after much prayer and fasting, decided to emphasize just two basic teachings of the gospel. They prepared a letter to be delivered to the people of Peru. The theme was being converted to the Lord, in which they stressed family prayer and family scripture study. The area presidency taught these principles first to the state presidencies. They in turn instructed their high councils, and from there the teaching was done to the bishops. The bishops then instructed their ward members, and a follow-up letter was delivered by the home teachers to each family unit. The fathers were encouraged specifically to lead their family in daily prayer and scripture study. The blessings that have come to the Peruvian saints from practicing these two basic gospel principles have been most remarkable. It soon became evident that their faith and their testimony was increasing among the members of the Church there. There has been a significant increase in sacrament meeting attendance, 
which has resulted in a greater sense of community and increased interest in the saints in loving and caring for each other. Though travel to the temple has become increasingly difficult and dangerous, surprisingly, temple attendance is up significantly. The number of full-time missionaries immediately began to increase. Now the five missions in Peru fill their missionary needs with native Peruvians. The full-time missionaries are arriving in the field better prepared to serve, which of course has resulted in increased convert baptisms. A renewed emphasis on two basic gospel practices—daily prayer and scripture study—created a dramatic change and offered increased spirituality and works among the saints there. The success of the Peruvian saints should teach all of us the importance of adhering to the basics of a gospel-centered life. Let us consider consider again the promises made to us if we faithfully practice daily family prayer and daily family scripture study. The scriptures are filled with admonitions to stay close to the Lord and call upon His holy name in prayer. In the latter days of Alma's ministry, he instructed his sons on how they should live. After Alma's remarkable conversion, he spent his life proclaiming the gospel and perfecting the saints. Before he died, he wanted to instill in his sons a desire to be obedient to God's will. To Helaman he said, O remember, my son, and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God. Yea, and cry unto God for all thy support. Let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. And let the affections of thy heart be placed in the Lord forever. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou ariseth in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if ye do these things, ye shall be lifted up in the last day. Prayer is the primary means of communicating between God and man. Prayer is an important part of practically every religion, whether it be Christian or otherwise. The Prophet Joseph Smith, speaking on the subject of prayer, stated, We would say to the brethren, Seek till ye know God in your closets. Call upon Him in the fields. Follow the directions of the Book of Mormon and pray over and for your families, your cattle, your flocks, your herds, your corn, and all things you possess. Ask the blessings of God upon your labors and everything you engage in. When we pray to the Lord, we should remember who we are addressing and be prepared to give Him our undivided attention as we humbly supplicate ourselves before Him. President John Taylor counseled us this way, Do you pray in your families? And when you do, do you go through the operation like the grinding of a piece of machinery? Or do you bow in meekness and with a sincere desire to seek the blessings of God upon you and your household? That is the way you ought to do, and cultivate a spirit of devotion and trust in God, dedicating ourselves to Him and seeking His blessings. As parents, it's clearly our duty to teach our children to pray, and regular family prayers establish patterns that literally bless future generations. It is well to use the sacred pronouns of the Scripture, as Elder Oaks admonished us to do in his great talk in the morning session, Thee, Thou, Thy, and Thine, when addressing deity in prayer. 
instead of the more common pronouns of you, your, and yours. By doing so, we show greater respect to our Heavenly Father. It is so satisfying to know that God is mindful of us and ready to respond when we place our trust in Him. There is no place for fear among men and women who place their trust in the Almighty, who do not hesitate to humble themselves in seeking divine guidance through prayer. Though difficulties may arise and reverses may come, in our prayers we can find reassurance as the Lord speaks peace to our souls. On several occasions, President Benson has shared the poem Prayer by Eliza M. Hickory a member to the mem- with the members of the Church. It is a poem he learned while he was in the Aaronic Priesthood. I know not by what methods rare, but this I know God answers prayer. I know that He has given His word, which tells me prayer is always heard and will be answered soon or late. So I pray and calmly wait. I know not if the blessing sought will come in just the way I thought, but I leave my prayer with Him alone, whose will is wiser than my own, assured that He will grant my quest or send some blessings far more blessed. Among the Peruvian saints who live in this nation racked with heartache and despair, there has emerged a stronger faith and devotion to our Father in Heaven because they heeded the counsel of His servants to hold daily family prayer. A special nurturing in the gospel has developed among the members of the Church in Peru because they added to their daily family prayers the practice of having daily family scripture study. When the revealed words of the prophet found their way into the hearts of the saints, they brought about a mighty change in the way they lived and believed. Questions, personal problems, and important concerns were answered for them by the inspired counsel of the scriptures. All of the standard works of the Church have instructed us to read and ponder their sayings. From the Old Testament we read, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read. From the New Testament, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Nephi in the Book of Mormon observes, My soul delighteth in the Scriptures, and my heart pondereth them, and writeth them for the learning and profit of my children. The counsel from the Pearl of Great Price promises, And whosoever treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And finally, in the Doctrine and Covenants we read, First seek to obtain my word, study my word, which hath gone forth among the children of men. The scriptures are one of our greatest treasures. They contain God's instructions to His people from the beginning of time. In a world so full of the doctrines of men, how grateful we are to have a sure anchor on which to build our faith. Of the Book of Mormon, President Marion G. Romney said, If our young folks are traditioned in the teachings of the Book of Mormon, they will not only be inspired with righteous courage to choose the right by example, they will also be schooled in the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they will know what is right. From almost every page there will come to them a moving testimony that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God, our Redeemer and Savior. This witness alone should be a sustaining anchor in every storm. The Lord's instructions to his in the Lord's instructions to his children, we find sublime consistency. What the Lord has declared to be right will always be right. What he has declared to be true will always be true. 
What he has declared to be sinful will always be sinful. Rest assured that when the so-called enlightened doctrines of men contradict the Holy Scriptures, they will only bring heartache, disappointment, and destruction to the souls of mankind. President Benson has counseled us concerning searching the Scriptures this way. Let us not treat lightly his word. It is one of the most valuable, valued gifts he has given us. Recommit. Immerse yourself in them daily. Read them in your families. And teach your children to love and treasure them. Then prayerfully and in counsel with others, seek every way possible to encourage the members of the Church to follow your example. My sincere counsel to you today is to recommit yourself to these two basic practices that have been the source of so many blessings to the saints in Peru. Never let a day go by without holding family prayer and family scripture study. Put this, the Lord's program, to the test and see if it does not bless your home with greater peace, hope, love, and faith. I promise you that daily family prayer and scripture study will build within the walls of your home a security and bonding that will enrich your lives and prepare your families to meet the challenges of today and the eternities to come. God grant unto us a desire to seek Him reverently and humbly in prayer and in the sincere desire to study His Word as contained in the Holy Scriptures. God lives. Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, is my solemn witness to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.